To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers welcome to the opinionated bench warmers podcast Today, we have a very, very special guest, Zach Von Rosenberg, corner from the LSU Tigers. Uh, his resume speaks for itself. Uh, if you're not, just Google him. He's done amazing things in his sports career so far. Uh, most recently, he's a, a 2020 in, uh, in national football champion. I mean, the list goes on. He's re really accoladed, and we're just uh, very privileged to have him on today. So. We just want to say, uh, what's up, Zach? How you doing, man? And and what's going with you right now? I'm doing good. I appreciate y'all having me on. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I was able to, you know, fit it in before pro day because, you know, starting next week, things will get a little hectic for a few days. But I'm glad we were able to get it in before next week, you know? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We, we, are, we are very gracious that you took time in, in your busy schedule to spend some time with you. We won't hold you long. We just wanted to kind of give the fans an experience of a, a NFL prospect actually going through this process of a pro day and just going through the process, the stress of being prospected and being rated a certain way. But we just want to speak on how you feel, man, about being pressured and about the, you know, the kind of the critiques that's going on. You've accomplished a lot as a punter and we'll kind of get in, into your past because quite naturally you're, you're, uh, I guess your uh, career has been a little, a little different than most because, you know, you went pro first as a major league baseball player, and then you came back to college. So most guys go to go to college, then go pro, but you went pro and then went back to college. So it's quite amazing. You have an amazing story. So just kind of uh, just go through how, you know, how, how are you taking the critiques that's going on? Because you're being rated quite naturally. There's a lot of NFL teams that's looking for great punters and, for our listeners, they're pretty seasoned. So we know how much a punter is important as far as like flipping field position and just, you know, just as a strategic position, you are a very strategic cornerstone to any franchise that'll have you. So just kind of just talk about how you maybe uh, take the critiques or the ratings that's going on with you right now. I don't try to get too caught up in it because at the end of the day, it's all, it's about performance. What are you going to do for us on Sunday? And uh, that's kind of how it was in college and, and performing at a high level in the SEC. Uh, I, I believe in my opinion is going to prepare me for that. Cause everybody on the, uh, you know, on the receiving end of the ball part returns, you know, I kicked the De Devonte Smith this year, he won the Heisman trophy. So every guy that I'm kicking to in the SEC is going to get drafted. And, and uh, that's, that's a benefit to me because it just challenged me and, and, and pushed me to, you know, hit the ball in a way that prevents them from returning it. And, and like I said, it's even more cutthroat at the next level. You know, it's, 
it's, uh, you know, baseball helped me in terms of seeing that level. Cause I, you know, the high school jump to professional jump is, is insane. Um, but, but college and pro is, is the similar thing. Cause you know, guys going to college, they're the best players in their team. The, you know, all the players at LSU were the best players in their high school football team. And then the best, best players in the LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, all those best players end up in the NFL. So it's just, it's just a, uh, it's a funnel, if you will, the, you know, you're, you're getting to the top, the closer you get to the top, everybody's on the same level. And um, at that, at that level, almost, it seems like it's the guys that are able to stay healthy and, and be uh, in the right, in a lot of situations, the right place, the right time. And in a lot of ways, just know your, your, I, don't, I was going to say something else, but know your stuff, you, you, know, <laughs> you know your stuff, because that's, that's what separates guys at the next level. And uh, I don't know if you've had Boston Scott on the pod, but he uh, he's he's been in a great situation in Philly where he's that guy, you know, filling the void when they he, he came up as a, uh, you know, he wasn't supposed to be a premier bag, but the dude is like he's getting significant playing time game change of plays every week. And it's it's a lot of right place, right time and doing the you know, he's one of the hardest working dudes that I met my brother Grant played with him. And he said that kid worked he worked hard. And that's it makes sense why he made it. And uh, that's just the biggest key, in my opinion, too, is is not only do you have to be talented because everybody's talented, you you have to be able to put in the work that that gets you there. And because at the end of the day, for my position, there's 32 and the quarterback position, there's 64. There's only one backup quarterback. So there's 64 quarterbacks and 32 punters. And um, so you can imagine how, you know, cut they they cut you. There's 100 of you. You know, at the end of the day, you got to you have to separate yourself. You have to be you have to bring something different to the table. And uh, and a lot of ways, I hope that I, I can do that for, a, you know, a team that that wants a guy I can throw, you know, I make jokes about it, but can throw the ball and you know I, I'm athletic and I'm more no than doubt. I'm more than just a punter, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so I mean, talk about that transition because it, you know, that transition from that, you know, of course you're a, a champion. Nobody can take that away from you. You know, you won a national championship in 2019, and then that transition to that 2020 season where there's COVID. You know, there's players opting out. It was a pretty rough season for LSU overall, you know, as a as a player. You know, just kind of talk about that transition where you went 15 and 0 the previous season, and then this this season you went five and five, and it was just a rough season overall. You know, talk about what did you learn from that experience of just going from that extreme high to that, you know, kind of what people would say is a bottom low as far as just playing in general. Uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it is how, so in 2019, we had coaches that had been there a few years and we were just missing just a couple pieces. And so everybody was kind of had already meshed really well. Dave Aranda had been there a few years. Coach O had been there a few years. Everybody was comfortable. Ensminger, all we needed that was that one missing piece to change the game. And that's where um, our offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Brady came in. And man, he fit like a glove. They want that's why they tried to give him the OC job. And he said no to go to Carolina. He was that that, you know, that final straw of us take, you know, going from a good team, a 10 and three uh, Fiesta Bowl winning team to a one of the greatest teams of all time. And him coming in there and and really revolutionizing our offense. And not because we were close. We had the players at every position. It, it was perfect timing in so many ways. We had Clyde, we had Jamar, we had Joe, we had all, you got, you still have to have the players, but him 
Joe coming in and revolutionizing our offense and making us do things that we, we had been not necessarily putting off, but we were uncertain about, we didn't know enough about it. Would it work? Would, could it, what does it look like? And him coming in and making it like a secure thing. We were so confident going into games. I hate to say this, you know, I think I've said this before in past press interviews, but um, when, you know, in a couple of days leading up to the game, I'd ask Joe about the score of the game, how many points we're going to score. And we're not talking about just beating them. We're talking about beating them, beating the hell out of them, beating them by four touchdowns. How many, how many, how many points are you putting up this week? I, I still remember, I think he was only wrong twice the whole season. And one of them was Auburn when we scored 23. But he's telling me, and he wasn't being careful. Like against uh, Oklahoma, he said we we're going to score 60. And I'll be damned if we score wow. 60. So he, it, it was just, it was one of those years where we were so good. And players were so confident, at, you know, at every position. And we had five first-rounders on the team. And that that was just last year. We're going to have Jamar and Terrace be first-rounders this year. So, you know, it, it was such a perfect and unique situation for, for LSU and LSU sports because it, it's hard to replicate that in any form or fashion. And, and especially with – so back to the whole thing, we lost 42 people uh, out, of, out of that 2019 team into 2020. We had I don't I don't know how many coaches I want to say like coaches and personnel and analysts at least ten or twelve leave, and then we had players transfer, players were seniors, players that went in the draft. Player, I mean, we had a entire like the building is different. 40, 40 guys leaving your team, your team is decimated, and um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. Sorry, that's my crawfish tag. I got some <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was it was crazy to see, and, and from my perspective, how confident and and i don't want to say we were arrogant but we were we were cocky we were we knew we were going to beat the hell out of you and that and we showed up on saturday and we we did that you know it, it was just one of those things and whereas this year we thought we we, we wanted to ha- be that team we wanted to play like that but we'd never gotten a rhythm the previous year we were in such a rhythm it was just like anything we did it didn't really matter we were just that good whereas this year we never really got in our stride we never got the rhythm we, defense we kind of suffer from an identity crisis. We didn't know what we were doing uh, a little bit of the time. We changed our defense uh, from a 3-4 to a 4-3. Um, a lot of young players at positions that had never started before. Um, and then, again, all of our skill players were different. We had Jamar opt out. I mean, I would have opted out, too, for 20 mil. But you know what I mean? There's just so many things going on there that, that just it was, a, it was a trap situation. You went from the greatest, one of the greatest teams of all time to a lot of young players, a new quarterback, and an entirely new staff. And it, it, it kind of it hurt us. It, it really did. It, it was hard to come back from like that. Uh, yeah, so uh, Zach, I'll, I'll jump in there real quick. Um, we, as Rob talked about a little bit, um, you know, your start and how you started in the process, you know, as far as going pro, you know, with baseball and then shifting over to, you know, going back to college. You know, you're, I've seen, you know, obviously LSU kind of put the positive thing recently with the grandpa thing and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, your, your start was a little bit different. You know, I was just say, tell the listeners kind of how that came about from you going pro and then shifting over to um, the college game, you know, were you recruited from there? Like, again, your start was a little bit different. Were you recruited from the start? Um, just kind of talk, tell the listeners a little bit about how your path went and um, how it ultimately ended with LSU. So I, um, uh... I, you know, I got dropped out of high school. I, I was committed to LSU. I never, I didn't, I mean, I took on official visits to other places and I toured, but I never went on an official visit, official visit other than LSU. And that's just a testament to, I, I fell in love with the school when I was a kid and I came and watched them go to Omaha 
I was a kid stealing dirt off the track in the outfield, you know, putting it in a bottle and putting it in my closet in my house, you know, when I was, you know, nine, 10, maybe even younger. But um, no, so I always was passionate about LSU. I wanted to play LSU baseball, but the end goal was always to play professional baseball. And uh, so, I, you know, I foregoed college and played for six years. You know, I, I struggled and, and that, that, you know, I needed that a lot in my life. And because I, baseball was easy. It was an easy game for so, so long. And not that I didn't put in the work, but I didn't make it a, how do I say this? The, the lack of struggle younger in, in life in baseball made me struggle more once I got the pro ball, because it's such an elite level that when you're struggling, you haven't, when you're struggling and haven't struggled before, it's, it's just different. You don't know how to you don't know what your coping me mechanisms are. You don't know how to get back to, you know, ground zero of like, okay, this is who I am. This is the kind of pitcher I am. This is the kind of baseball player I am. And so that, like I said, that struggle allowed me to be successful at LSU because once I had gone through that and had my, I guess my, um, you know, humbling experience in baseball, I had injuries along the way too, but everybody gets injured. Um, but getting to LSU and understanding why I failed at baseball allowed me to succeed at football. And then, so fast forward again, this was 2009 to 2015, 2015 fall. I enrolled LSU as a part-time student. I take nine hours to keep my full eligibility. I walk on the football team on January 12th or 13th of 2016. So that's my first day. And that was just, I, I actually walked on as a tight end, well, quarterback, tight end, whatever. And, I called Cam Cameron. Well, actually, uh, let me back that up. I emailed Dr. Nader, Sam Nader. The he's been there for 50 years. It seems like he's the oldest guy on our in our building at, at football ops. But I emailed him. He emailed me back, and then I got received a phone call from Cam Cameron. I really didn't have a tryout or anything. They just kind of took me at my word. Hey, I'm a good I'm a good player. I'm a big dude. Like you can do my measurables. I know I can play football, and I'll I'll help your team in some form or fashion. And uh, and he took me at my word and was like, Hey, like come on. And so I walked on. And so that process was pretty seamless. Uh, but the, the next issue was like, okay, what am I, what am I going to be? You know, I, I wanted to be a quarterback, didn't work. They were having the Brandon Harris, Danny Etling battle then. And I realized how far behind uh, in my skill set I was as a quarterback. So I was like, you know, I'm going to be a tight end because we had a lot of injured tight ends at the time. I was like, this is a little more easy uh, in terms of like, you know, the skill set. I'm, I'm more, you know, fit for this. And so I gained 40 pounds, got the 260. Uh, realized I didn't like blocking Arden Key very much, um, so so uh, at some point along the way, I think I was messing around either before or after practice. And Cam Cameron saw me punting with another guy who appreciate this this shout out, Josh Tharp. So I would just punt with him casually as like a you know just messing around. And uh, Cam Cameron took notice, and then lo and behold, a couple weeks or months later, I think the backup punter at the time got a DUI or something, and uh, and they were like, hey, look, like we're having issues with the backup punter and we need a guy that we can trust because if we don't want to, you know, we want a kid that we can put in the game and not, you know, not be stressed about if, if he's if he gets an opportunity. And so that's kind of how I started punting. I won the second string job. I ended up flying to uh, Green Bay that year and pretty much spent my whole first season on the bench. I redshirted. But uh, I realized then I, once I started focusing on punting, I was like, man, I still got my leg. Like I, I just, for whatever reason, thought that after eight years of not kicking that <laughs> my leg strength would not be there, but it didn't go anywhere. And I guess that, that just means because I was, you know, the whole time training, staying in shape with baseball, whatever. Um, but my leg strength never went anywhere. I just didn't, didn't 
tap into. I didn't hit punt balls. So, you know, I, I really started focusing on me, my craft and, and improving every day. And like I said, I took that baseball approach that I got at the end of my career when I was struggling and finally, you know, overcoming some, some things in baseball that obviously wasn't enough, but I applied all those things to punting and getting myself better. How I was watching YouTube videos, I was any edge I could get, I was, I was finding it. And, um, and once my opportunity came, I think it was 2017, like the second or third game, once my opportunity came, you know, I never looked back. That's, and that's kind of how it fell on my lap in a way. Like, that's why I say a lot of luck, because if, if the first string punter wasn't struggling that year, then I probably wouldn't have gotten an opportunity. Yeah, and you punted right. in high school, too. So mm-hmm. it's like a full circle, pretty yeah. much. You, you was punting in high school. You, you, you was an awesome pitcher. I mean, I ain't even mentioned your, your state championships in high school as a pitcher. So, you know, my bad about that too. You, you're well, yeah, you're well <laughs> accoladed, you know? So, I mean, it's amazing to just see you, you know, it's a full circle. You start off as a, you know, you was a pitcher in high school. That's what you went into as a professional, but ultimately now here you are again, knocking at the door as a professional punter. So I think that's awesome, man. Yeah, for sure. Thank yeah. you. So we've uh, kind of basically talked about the transition from professional sports into the college game. And we know that you're making another transition right now. Um, so kind of want to go into a little bit of what went into that decision making process to say, hey, OK, now it's time to make that leap or that jump to the NFL. You know, I know in this year, especially even with COVID, there was room for another year of eligibility if you decided to. Um, choose that. So what kind of went into that decision-making process? What made you feel, okay, now is the time uh, for me to exit the LSU program and take my leap into the professional ranks in football at this time? Uh, I felt like this year I took a big step in my uh, precision punting and and I'll I'll call them drop punts, but punts on, you know, on the plus side of the 50-yard line, essentially when you're trying to pin them back inside the 20-yard line. And this year really was my year in terms of of controlling the football and uh and in the nfl it's the game has changed a little bit because now, now the ball on a touchback goes to the 25 and you're two first downs away from being at the 50 yard line so that's pretty much an essential part of the game now is being able to punt the ball without hitting a touchback and having it and i think i had one touchback this year maybe maybe two but um I don't, but i had 29 i think or 28 inside the 20 and um so that that side, side of my punting really came I guess what I it came around this year. It wasn't that I struggled with it in the past. It just, I wasn't, I wasn't where I needed to be if I wanted to consider myself an NFL punter. And this year I've really felt like that side of my, that was my best part of my game, to be honest. Uh, I, I just felt so confident going out there knowing that I had a less work, less field to work with. And I have Racy McMath who's a freak running down the field to catch the ball. And um, man, he's going to get drafted too. But uh no, it, it was, I had a lot of confidence and I, I really took ownership of that in the off season with COVID and getting upon on my own is making sure that that side of my game was not my weakness anymore. And uh, once I, you know, like I said, this year, I think I, I led the country and in, inside the 20 punting. And uh, once that came around, I was like, you know, I, it's now or never in terms of, of my career in the NFL. And not that I couldn't come out next year, but, you know, we had a punter coming in as a freshman. So I wasn't leaving LSU high and dry. I, I went out with a, with, a, with a good note. I punted well, and uh, I just felt like my craft was where it needed to be to, to, to take that risk. And, um, and I felt like I've, I've been clogging up uh, the LSU punter pipeline a while. I've been there, I've been there five years, so, <laughs> so I was six years. Taking that extra COVID year. Was <laughs> but um, I, I definitely thought about it. I, I wanted – I mean, if, 
if COVID probably wouldn't have happened somehow, I still would have gotten uh, an extra year. I probably would have stayed. But with COVID and teams cutting back and, and uh, you know, I don't know if you've kept up with the NFL stuff, but um, I'm sure y'all have recently, but they've been cutting a lot of veteran punters. Morstead was one of them. Yeah, um, Morstead is huge. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of veteran punters that require veteran minimum pay that teams are not going to be paying this year because they're cutting back to get that extra skill player and improve in other facets of the game. And they're gonna, you know, I'm a guy that's coming out. That's yeah, I'm 30, but I I I mean, what's his name? Uh, I think he's 37. There's a punter now. It's 37, and Benetieri kicked field goals too. He's 40 something. I don't even know. Yeah. But yeah. so punters and and again, I don't have high mileage on my leg. I it was an eight year gap of me kicking. So the, you know, the mileage on my leg isn't there either uh, in terms yeah. of hunting. And, um, but you got a good 10 years, man. Yeah, <laughs> you got yeah, a good 10 unique, years. A very unique situation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think you more than I wasn't going to bring him up, but as a Saints fan, of course I have to, I mean, he was a unique player for the Saints for a long time. He has been a fan and he was very important to our franchise. Uh, I mean, one of the things that's was said about a punter is just their workload because obviously if they're on a good offense, which you were a part of in 2019 in that majestic season, probably one of the best college seasons of all time. You was a part of that team. Your 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 work was a little less that year as opposed to this past year. Right. So I mean, what is it like with that workload? Like, what is your mentality going into the season? Because I know that. Going into probably 2019, you're like, okay, I got a great offense, so my workload may not be as much. But when I'm going into this next season, I may have to punt a little more. Is there a difference in how you approach the season, or you just approach it the same way every time? I approach it the same way every time. The harder part in that was the previous season in 2019, where you knew your offense was so electric. You didn't know if you're getting ready to, you know, Blake. Blake's like, hey, I need a snap hold for a field goal. So, like, I'm trying to fight between that. Wait, are we going to throw a 60-yard touchdown pass, or should I be getting warm-up punts because we're going to get the fourth down? And I think I did something uh, with a chart at the beginning of this season. My first five games last year, I punted only, like, 11 times. My first five games this year, I punted over 30. It was something like it was something crazy like that, and like I think I had 59 punts this year. I averaged six punts a game, whereas that year I averaged like three or less punts a game, two two punts a game, something crazy. But yeah, it was a huge difference uh, in terms of how you prepare on the you know the pre the pre prep I guess practice prep Monday through Thursday before Saturday is the exact same. But this, the game day prep is way different because of how each, you know, you're like I said, you got Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow lighting people up. So yeah. again, I'm 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 unsure, you know, am I about to, you know, are we gonna have a like I said, on third and seventeen is a perfect example. I told Derek Konamski, Coach O's right hand man right at, at Texas, it was third and seventeen. I said, dang, wanna buy or wanna buy three points right now. Uh, this is gonna be the biggest pun of my career. You know, a third and seventeen. Next thing you know, Justin Jefferson <laughs> touchdown. Six, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. Look, you punted you punted fifty nine times this past year, and then you punted forty seven times in that twenty nineteen set uh, season. So that's a significant difference to me when I look at how much work you had this past season with the previous games. season. But is it that opportunity? Like yeah. that, that's and, great for you right. as a draft prospect, right? This year. Yeah, no. Sorry, you can go ahead. Like he was saying, context of that too. That was 15 games versus 10 games as well. So that just shows that big difference there as right, well. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but no, I, I going into the season, I knew that I didn't have the, you know, draft stock or the buzz as a punter um, that I probably could have had because of the, you know, some of it was due to our offense in 2019 and some of it was also due to my own inconsistency. But this year I made it a, a theme that I was, I was like, I'm going to be a different, I'm going to be a different dude this year. I'm going to make sure that I got my, cause I knew, I knew we, we didn't have Joe Burrow. And I knew we lost a ton of players. I knew we, everybody knew we weren't going to be as good on offense. I didn't know that, you know, Miles is going to get hurt after three games or two games, but um, I knew we were going to have a drop off just because of players. And um, I, I, again, my preparation was, I guess in the off season was a little different, but I, I just wanted my consistency side of my game, which I was able to get because we, in that spring, we didn't have classes in person after quarantine. We went home and so I just went to the park and whatever and did my thing. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was easy. It wasn't, we didn't have a spring football that probably hurt us in the long run. But for me, I got to literally work on my craft and get better at specific things that I knew I needed to get better at. And that kind of helped me put myself on the map into this season uh, as a more consistent ball striker. And that was the biggest key for me. And I think that's what, that's what ultimately got me to where that I am right now. Yeah. Zach, so, you know, obviously we're talking to you about the next step and things, you know, I know we talked a lot of LSU. That's all. I think that's what we all kind of got in common here. We all spent some time at LSU and graduated from LSU. Um, as you get prepared for this next step, you know, I just want to talk about what your day-to-day -day looked like. You know, I know you, you talked offline a little bit. You were preparing in Dallas and getting everything ready. You know, how's things going as far as, you know, teams reaching out? interviews, um, your training, um, you know, we want to, you know, give the listeners, maybe, you know, if you get drafted, you know, that would be great. You know, if you get drafted, you know, some listeners from those fan bases can come back to this podcast and say, hey, you know, I know this is what, you know, our new punter is doing and has been doing to prepare to get ready. So I just wanted you to talk about a little bit about what your process has been as you're getting prepared. And, you know, again, we talked about offline with your pro day coming up this week. Um, so just talk a little bit about that. So teams are very thorough, and I'm going to reiterate this because I'm a punter. I mean, I'm not, I'm not downgrading my position, but I'm not a quarterback. <laughs> so with how thorough they are with me and me taking personality tests and having to take, uh, I guess, kind of like IQ tests, and I've taken so many tap tests, all these weird uh, puzzle-solving stuff. It's bizarre. Some of the stuff I've done, like, I've never even seen some of this before. And um, – it, they are thorough. They leave no stone unturned. They comb through everything. And I'm not even like, I'm not even a top first round, first, second round draft pick. So imagine the things they do for guys that are at the top, like Jamar Chase and Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, the guys that are premier players expected to go top 10, top, top two rounds, I'd imagine, or comb through even more. So in terms of, for me, having to take these tests, doing in-person interviews, uh, phone calls. Most of the stuff now I'm doing is through email. Everything's kind of on hold until pro day because pro day, everybody's going to be here and I'll get to see them. I'll have interviews on Tuesday of next week, but everything's kind of on hold until Wednesday. But even I, I'm not that I'm overwhelmed, but it's, it's been a lot in a short period of time. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be Jamar Chase, because I know if he's going to be a top eight pick, I bet it goes five or six, but just imagine what they're doing to him. What, you know, the high school teachers, middle school teachers, they're going everywhere to talk to everybody because they want to give, give this kid $20 million. They're going to find out everything about you. They're going to know what kind of bubble gum you chewed in middle school, you know, like 
right it, it's insane and i mean and, and why wouldn't you there's a you're, these guys are answering to owners and gms that are saying hey do you know everything about this guy did you miss something and that and that's that's where we're at now in the nfl is they're they're not going to dish out money unless they know absolutely everything about you and, and that's a good and a bad thing because sometimes i guess some things that you know, kids make mistakes when they're young. I, I had baseball friends that screwed up in middle school, high school. They're going to know and they're going to ask you about it. And um, that that's, it, it's different. And baseball was like that. But when I was in high school, it was, it was easy for me. Cause I didn't really, I didn't really do a whole lot. I was kind of obsessed with baseball and that was pretty obvious. You know, I maybe I didn't necessarily, I mean, I made good grades, but I could have applied myself so much better to do better in school, but I was so worried about baseball that it, it kind of hindered my you know, abilities in school, but, um, now the, the process is a lot and there's a lot of information. There's a lot of questionnaires. There's a lot of everything they're collecting. Scouts are going to do their job to know everything about you. And it, it's, it's pretty crazy. And what we've, the technology and the, you know, I think I'm trying to remember the tap test, how, how it like, it told me like everything about me. I read like my player bio at the end of this test, it was like 50 questions, maybe a little more but at the end of this test i read my entire bio and i was like this thing describes my entire life you're right <laughs> i'm just like that's horrifying all i did was answer questions and you literally told me almost everything about me there was like one <laughs> or two things that i was like i don't know about this but like the rest i was like what like how do you how can you know this from questions like that so that was that was yeah. pretty eye-opening that's pretty cool yeah yeah so I'll, I'll ask you another question too, you know, as you get ready for this transition, who have you like really been studying? I know we talked about, you know, as you in college, you were, you know, trying to figure out your position. Um, you looked at YouTube and things like that. Who would you say you modern your, uh, model your game after in the NFL game? You know, I know you, we talked about Moore State a little bit, and, you know, my team, the Rams, you know, with Johnny Hecker is probably one of the top guys in the league. Who would you say that you modeled your game after? And, and just because I, it would, I'd probably pick a righty if I was right-footed, but just because he he punts like I do in, in a lot of ways, it's Tress Way. He plays for the uh, the Washington football team, but uh, no, he's he's good and he's he's lefty, and I just I like his game. I I'm, I like to model my game after him. He's very good directionally. He's very consistent. He's a consistent b-ball punter. Um, like he he's not going to hit the ball. I mean, he has a huge legs too, but. When he needs his A ball, he'll hit it. But he's one of the most consistent, consistent guys in all of football, and uh, he's a leader on that team in, in uh, Washington too. And he's just a fun—he's a fun player to watch. He had a—I um, think he had an ESPN thing just on him. He was mic'd up, and it was—it was pretty hilarious. Um, but the next guy, I guess, would be Morstead. I don't punt anything like Morstead. In fact, I don't even know how he punts the way he does. It's kind of mind-boggling. But he's—he's yeah, he's a model of consistency too, and he—he. He, he lives it like he's he's not a guy that's going to sit back and oh I'm a punter he's going to get yoked in the weight room he's going to do 30 chin-ups in a row like he's that kind of guy not that chin-ups make you punt better but he's he's just that guy that likes to he likes the to look like the professional athlete and he he does I mean I've, I've been around him a couple of times and the dude's the dude's big and um and there's so many different personality types there's guys in the league that I heard they don't lift weights they don't touch weights they do like band work and punt more than other guys but i'll never be that guy i can't i can't not lift weights because that's what i've done my whole life 
but you uh, you was a pro pitcher so you of course you're used to like working out and everything so i mean i think that's like i think any any franchise that's that's privileged to have a position to get you would would be beneficial because you're uh, you're a professional in general you know you you had that professional experience so i think that's one of the things but uh you remind you you had something that you want to uh yeah uh really it's kind of almost two parts one thing was based upon kind of what you were saying about you know you having that professional experience and that kind of gives you something that already makes you stand out but as you're talking to these franchises and you know you're trying to distinguish yourself and say okay what makes you different in this process what would you say is kind of your signature thing like why should a franchise say okay we want Zach von Rosenberg to be our punter. Like what stands out about you? Why should you be the guy that they're investing in? Right. Uh, and I would say that it, because I've already been a pro and I know what it takes to, 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 to be at that level. You know, I, I failed at that level, but now that I, you know, fortunately for me, I, I, you know, had the leg to be able to get back to that level. But now that I'm on my way back, I know what it takes and what those guys do and your body's your business. You know, guys are doing everything, any cutting edge, anything. That's why I went to Dallas is I knew I wasn't going to get what I needed in Baton Rouge. Not that nothing, no offense to Tommy Moffat, but where I needed I can't talk position specific training. And that's why I was like, okay, I need to go. I need to go to Dallas. And that's, this is where I'm going to check that box. And I'm going to get a, you know, a kicking coach. I lived with them. Um, and I, I made sure to, to check the box of doing everything I can to, be ready for that, that jump, because it's going to be a jump. Every single guy is gunning for your position and 30, there's only 32 of them. And um, I think I separate myself again, because I'm going to bring that, that if you're signing a 22 year old, 23 year old punter, he's going to come in and have the big wide eyes. Like, Oh God, I'm in the NFL, you know, and that's that uncertainty side of it. That's a thing that comes naturally to, to that age, but being 30, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to be one of the oldest players on the team. And I'm just going to have a natural, you know, I don't want to say respect because I have to earn respect is earned, but it's going to be different because I'm a, I'm a grown man walking in a room full of grown men. And, and that's a different side of things that, that I think teams will recognize like, yeah, that's, that's true. We don't have to, we don't have to police you. I'm not a guy yet to police. Not that punters are usually red flag guys, but there's been some, and um, you just don't want a guy that you have to worry about. And I won't be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a natural landing spot when you look at the draft? You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but naturally there's a, a – I would expect if you are a prospect, there is a franchise that you would want to land with. It, you know, if you're not able to if – you, if you don't have to step on any toes, where would you want to land if, if that opportunity presented itself? I, I, I don't think I should answer that. Um... But well, don't, don't, <laughs> don't answer it. Uh, <laughs> you good? I, I want, I want to go to a team that wants me the most, whether it be drafted, whether it be free agent signed, it doesn't matter. I want them to want me to, to be their guy. And all it takes is one team. And with Pittsburgh, my experience, I thought, I thought a ton of other teams for baseball were going to draft me. I thought the Red Sox were going to draft me. I thought the Angels were going to draft me because they called me all, they all called me before Pittsburgh did. I don't even think Pittsburgh did an in-person interview with me. I did interviews with 28 teams and Pittsburgh was not one of them for mm -hmm. baseball. And so then I got drafted by Pittsburgh. So, and it was a shock, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, so fast forward to now, I, you know, I guess if I were to say it'd be a cool story to, and I, 
like try to write a book about it, it would be to get drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers because how crazy would that be? But yeah. uh, that would be full wild. circle. Yeah, that would yeah. be crazy. Full circle. That'd be insane. I it didn't, you know, didn't pan out in baseball, but then all of a sudden, like, what? You're you went and played for the Steelers? Like, you know, yeah. 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 that would be crazy. But yeah. no, I, I want the team that wants me the most, and okay. yeah. and that could be anybody. I mean, obviously. I'll, you know, I'm no longer I, – I can't say that I'm a fan of any team now because I'm going to be a fan of whatever team that I'm being employed by. Exactly. So, so uh, there are teams that I would like to go to, but at the end of the day, I want the team to want me. And yeah. uh, and wherever I end up is where I end up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up, man. I think that you was a, you was a great professional just being – just watching you in college and, you know, you just seemed like you was on another level. You know, you could, you could tell how the way you carried yourself – that you know you had professional experience and you know you was way you was wise beyond your years always you know what i'm saying so i mean i i respect that 100 percent. i appreciate that thank you yeah yeah zach so i'll ask you this last question and we'll pretty much let you get out here i know we promised you like 30 minutes or so but it flew by i just, I just noticed once you said something <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. flying man I'm, I'm having fun but yeah. i'll ask you this you know give you a chance to really talk about your teammates that are growing pro right now and I know we talked, I believe it was offline a little bit. Uh, well, no, I think it was online. Uh, Jamar Chase, you know, Terrence Marshall, those guys right now. Um, tell the listeners a little something about those guys, that those first-round guys that you played with that maybe they don't know and what, you know, to expect with those guys. They're, I know you've seen them day in, day out, and kind of grow through the system, the LSU system. So tell the listeners a little bit about, you know, your teammates that are going to go pro as well. Well, I think they're both going to have uh, great NFL careers, and that's that's kind of you know it's going to. I think either one of them is a slam dunk for any organization. They're both very low key guys. They don't they don't you know they're not too too flashy. They don't like uh, I don't know. Especially Terrace. Terrace is so low key, and he just he just wants the ball. That's all he cares about. He cares about <laughs> being a being a great wide receiver. He is one. And uh, so him and Jamar, I, I think Jamar's going to end up in Cincinnati. People think, I, I don't know, though. I, I want Joe to have protection, but I, I think it would be crazy to get Jamar up there alongside. I uh, forgot who's with Joe now. They just drafted wide receiver. Not C.D. Land. No, he's with the Cowboys. I can't remember. T. Higgins, right? Yeah, they have T. Yeah, Higgins, Higgins out there. So have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase on the other side, that would be wild. Because Jamar and Joe were just on another planet in terms of in sync whenever they're at LSU, so that would be bananas if, if they got to reconnect and and include or excuse me in Cincinnati. Um, but back to back to Terrace, I think either one of those guys, either one of them is a slam dunk for an organization. I think Terrace is like overlooked because of how good Jamar is. I think Terrace is significantly overlooked because Terrace is six four. I think Jamar is six two. Jamar's more like he's a break tackle. He's a running back playing wide receiver, let's be honest. Jamar is a running back at yeah. wide receiver. You can't tackle him. Your your DB is your cornerback is not tackling him. So you better pray your safety gets over in time to hit him and slow him down so somebody else can tackle him. Because if there he I don't know how many slants he took to the house in 2019, but it was a lot because we knew that if you got Jamar the ball in space like that and he got to he got past the defensive back it was over who's going to tackle him the i mean if he runs across a linebacker maybe but it's he's such a good he's such a good balanced runner and he's not the fastest guy either he's just so hard to tackle and then and on the on the flip side i would say terrace is the guy you want in the red zone he's the guy that's going to go up and get a ball in a way that jamar can't i'm not saying jamar can't get him but 
Terrence is six four, has a little bit more bounce to him. Yeah, I've seen him dunk. He's he's a freak. And you know, so it's they're both very different and both very similar. And they're both gonna change somebody's organization, in my opinion, as a as a franchise wide receiver. And it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see. That's huge words, man. That's huge words. So you got a big day coming up, pro day. We're gonna wrap it up with that. Pro day. I know you've been preparing for this since the probably the season ended. You know, this is your moment. Uh, what have you done to to get ready? And and what are your thoughts going into it? What do you want the fans and the listeners to see, to hear uh, in this situation with your pro day coming up? Well, I, 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 I'm going to try, in words of Tom and Offit, I'm going to hit a bunch of a bunch of doubles, singles and doubles on, uh, on pro day. I'm not trying to, I'll probably reach in the, reach in the back pocket, you know, late in my round, however many punts I get in and try and hit that, you know, crazy 70 yard punt or whatever, but I'm going to try and hit a bunch of B balls in the way, in the words of Tressway and some of those other NFL punters. Those are the balls that keep you in the NFL a long time. The A ball gets you, you know, gets you looks and people like, yeah, oh, he's got a big leg. But those B balls are the ones that keep you there a real, real long time, and that—that's the one that you can live with, and and it's hard to return. And uh, you know, I, I want to be a model of consistency. I'm not trying to come into the league and and literally be a guy watch this dude's legs and hit 80 yards down the field. No, I'm going to be the guy that's going to put the ball on the sidelines. Good luck returning it, you know. And that's that's the game that people are playing now and have to because you don't want to give these athletes the ball in space. You don't want to give Devontae Smith the ball in space. You don't want to give Jamar Chase and Terrace. You don't want to give anybody yeah. Devin Hester. It still blows my mind how many punt, punt returns and kickoff returns that Devin Hester was able to get. At some yeah. point, I have to say, let's kick the damn ball out of bounds. And <laughs> so that's that's how the game has changed. You, the punter is not, is not going to hit you a strike anymore. We're not hitting the ball down the middle of the field. It's going to be on the sidelines and that's our 12th defender. Good luck. You can't, you run out of bounds. So what? Good luck. So, well, well, Zach, I would love to see you on my New Orleans Saints team. I, I mean, personally, I know my opinion <laughs> doesn't, I know my opinion doesn't matter much, but I would love to see you in New Orleans replacing uh, Thomas Morstead. I would love to see. It. I would love to see. That would, but, be, that, would be, that would be exciting. And, and I would, that's some big shoes to fill, though. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we're wrapping up, man. We just want to let, I mean, maybe let the listeners know where they can find you on any social platforms, whatever movements you have going on. Now, you know, we're just giving you the floor to just express, you know, any of those where they can find you. Uh, so my, my ad on all social media is ZBR09. And I actually wasn't really that. I, I've always liked Twitter, but I didn't really get into Instagram until probably this past year or right at the end of the 2019 year, I really didn't use Instagram that much, but then I, you know, I, I learned how to use it, I guess, properly. And I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. Um, and I guess I, I, I have a TikTok, but I don't even know my password, but I got it. I got it, because, I got it because everybody was bored during quarantine and started watching stuff. And that's kind of, I started watching like home renovation videos. That tells you how I'm a millennial, you know? So, so <laughs> I don't know, but um, no, I, I, I got social media, but I don't, I don't use it as much as I used to, I guess. Um, I have recently cause I've had some posts and whatnot and we got pro day coming up. So I'm trying to promote myself as best as I can, but yeah, no, it's, it's okay. big time. We got, we got a big week coming up and I'm, I'm excited. Well, good luck, man. And uh, like we said, the listeners, I know that they listen, they're going to support you. So we opinion eventually I'm going to support you. So I know that our followers will support you as well. So make sure that you follow him on all his social media platforms on ZVR09. 
And also check him out on his pro day coming up this week. Again, he's an NFL prospect, LSU punter, 2019 national champion. So a uh, big deal. We appreciate you for taking the time to spend with us. And uh, we, we wish you good luck in your pro day and everything, man. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank y'all for having me. Yeah. yeah, no problem, man. Hopefully to have you again, bro. Awesome. Sounds good. Hopefully I'll be on a team now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Peace out. Right. Yeah. Man, what a guy, man. Again, I say that every time, but it's just we have some great guys as guests on our podcast, man. Zach von Rosenberg, NFL punt prospect out of LSU, national championship of 20, I'm sorry, national champion of 2019 for the LSU Tigers. Uh, very, uh, was a cornerstone at LSU during his time. I mean, what can you say about him, man? Yeah, I, I mean, just listening to the interview, you can see already the maturity. Obviously, he's an older guy, right? He's one of those that he, as he mentioned during the interview, 30 years old. And so I would say a team is getting a guy that's mature. You know what I'm saying? You could just tell how, you know, how he just expressed himself during the interview and how well, you know, he had this stuff, you know, just pretty much thought out as far as, you know, what he what he's going to bring to a team. Um, I think a, a team is getting a steal, you know, whether he gets drafted or he doesn't or if he has to compete for a spot later down the road, I think a team is getting a steal with him. You know, they're going to get a steady punter, you know, as he mentioned, getting those, I believe he called it B punts or, you know, how he yeah. kind of not maybe yeah. the home run or whatever, the, the singles, the doubles, they're going to get a precise punter, you know, and we've seen his time at LSU, how well, you know, he punted this last year and how steady he was, you know, and how he focused on his craft going from that championship year to now his, um, this year where, you know, the team didn't do as well. You know, he knew that, hey, you know, it's time to step it up. So I think he, he, he like he mentioned, he doesn't have a lot of mileage on his leg. I think he still can play another 12 years in the league, you know? So yeah. you look at that, at that position, you still, even though he's 30, can get a player that can play 12 years and be steady for you, for a team. You know, it's going to be tough, obviously, with only 32 punters in the league and teams only carrying one punter. You know, who knows what the opportunity is going to give. But, again, I think a team is going to get a, a good punter. Yeah, I agree 100%. I definitely believe that he has an NFL leg. I definitely believe that there is a spot for him um, in the league. So it's going to be interesting to see his progress. It's going to be interesting to see how this process works itself out. Um, but as you mentioned, they're going to be getting a guy with his head on his shoulders already, a guy that's mature, a guy that can really step in straight, you know, from jump and be able to contribute. And we've seen, you know, the diversity really in his punting uh, repertoire, basically. So uh, I think that he'll very, definitely find his way into the league. I think that he will um, be on one of the teams. I know Rob is looking for him to hopefully be a saint. Uh, maybe he can find his way to the Colts or something. It'll be definitely interesting to see that happen. Uh, so it's going to be fun to see the journey, but I think this is also cool. Um, and it's always good for the listeners to have a chance to kind of hear, okay, what does the journey and what does the process look like? You know, I know a lot of times, even for us, we see things, you know, kind of from the outside looking in. And so to have a chance to be on the inside, to see a guy that's going through the process, that's in the middle of the journey, um, it's always interesting to hear those tidbits and to hear how everything is going. So definitely, man, hats off to him. We definitely are rooting for him. 
He has us rooting for him. The whole opinionated bench warmers family we know as well will be rooting for him. So uh, hats off to him and good luck to him going forward. Yeah, man. And when I said that I want him to be a saint, I was not just saying it because he's on the podcast. I mean, he had a his uh, I think his career high. I know last year was a sixty-one yard punt. So he's a guy. He has a big leg. He can flip the field. I think that any team that's really good has a weapon in a punter that can flip the field, that can do those diagonal punt, punts, that can avoid having a return to, to their athlete, like uh, Zach mentioned on the podcast. So I think that, you know, like Lowe said, I think any team that's uh, able to get him will be getting a steal. And, you know, I think punters are often overlooked because it's not a flashy position. But, you know, like I've, you know, me and Lowe's know because he has Zach Hecker. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, he has Hecker over there. And, you know, me, me watching Thomas Morstead for the past decade and how important he was for us, you know, a punter is a very important position. So, uh, like you said, I mean, good luck to Zach. And I know that he's going to do well. You know, he's going to thrive. He's had a great uh, – I think even if he stopped right now, he has probably the, the, the sports career of anybody that's hoping to play sports, you know. So the fact that he's at 30 years old, is embarking upon a greater career as far as being a professional, uh, where it be said that he'll be a professional football player and was a professional baseball player is just, I mean, I think it's just amazing. So uh, we'll, again, we appreciate him for spending the time with us. Uh, we're wrapping up now. So make sure that you follow us. So over underscore bench warmers uh, that's on Twitter and Instagram, make sure that you're uh, subscribed to the opinionated bench warmers brand just so you can get notifi- notified when we drop dope content like we did, which is an interview interview with NFL football player, like we've uh, interviewed NFL sports agents, we've interviewed NBA assistant coaches. So we, we're trying to just, you know, continue to give me the content. So make sure that you are tapped in. Uh, merchandise will be on sale, uh, hopefully the end of next month. So we got a lot of good things coming. So make sure that you tapped in with the PNA Adventure Homers. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. Until next week, we'll see y'all. Later. Later.